tonight. Soaring jobs and soaring prices for the Super Bowl. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Steve Sprovec along with Brian James. Where'd all the workers go? We've been asking that question for months. Well, guess what? They're starting to come back. Allworth's Chief Investment Officer, Andy Stout, joins us to talk about it. Andy manages billions of dollars. That's right, billions with a B, right from here in Cincinnati. Andy, the jobs report on Friday, a surprise to say the least. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it was an absolute blowout jobs report when you look at the headline numbers. And it was a little bit surprising because you had Omicron surging right when the government was taking their the survey to see how many jobs were added last month. And economists, they were expecting really a smaller number than what we've seen, only 125,000. But what we actually ended up getting was a massive 467,000 new jobs. And on top of that, Steve, the prior two months of November and December collectively were revised higher by 709,000. Hey, Andy, this is Brian James. So um, this one makes me ask the question of, you know, it's it, this is always far more art than science and they're never going to nail it. But this is a pretty big miss. If, if this if this is how far off we can be, then what, what does that tell us about our ability to, to kind of forecast the, the future for these things? Why were they so far off this time? Well, I think what it showed ultimately was that the job market has a lot more momentum than what was originally thought. Now, there's a couple of other things in there as to why there might have been a miss. Economists were looking at what happened at the end of last year when the data didn't look particularly strong. However, what the BLS does is that's the Government Bureau of Labor Statistics that you know figures out how many jobs are added. They do a survey each month, and it's really just based on the survey. But then at the beginning of every year, they'll do some annual revisions where they go back and actually look at the data collected from the states themselves. They tie in that survey to actual reported data from the states. So as that data from the states came in from this annual revisions, it revised higher the last two months, which showed a lot more momentum. And because of that, uh, because economists were thinking it was a weaker last two months, they were forecasting that into the equation. But really, the, the prior two months were a lot stronger. And that's why we saw uh, that pretty big miss. Well, it wasn't just a miss on Friday with, with the latest jobs number, but a revision of 700,000 jobs for the previous month. I, I mean, that's that that's huge. Were you caught off guard by that? Well, a little bit, but again, it's at those annual revisions. So that's going to yeah. happen. So whenever the government does these revisions, you know, that's where you're, you're going to see that. The other part that I found interesting in that jobs report was we saw the unemployment rate rise from 3.9% to 4%, but it actually rose for the right reasons, Steve. What we yeah. saw, we saw 1.4 million people enter the labor force. And that's really good to see some people starting to get back to work. So because more people enter the labor force, that's why the unemployment rate went up. We actually what? had 1.2 million people said they had found a job last month. So lots of people found work, but there's still tons of job openings. So it's still a pretty tight labor market. And that really, you know, we've been talking about that for a good month or two of where are all the people, you know, when are they going to go back to work? Why are there so many more jobs available than people willing to work for them? And and honestly, we thought that would uh, take care of itself once stimulus uh, dried up. And uh, OK, well, I guess I got to go back to work now. And I have seen article after article about, well, maybe more retired uh, than than expected. So that uh, I mean, these are all positive signs for the economy, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at the participation rate by age, 
uh, what you see is that you see uh, increasing at a lot of the younger cohorts. Uh, but when you get to that normal retirement age range, you're not seeing the same level of increase on the labor force participation rate. So to your point, we do have people permanently leaving the job market probably a little bit earlier than normal, but that's all right because we're starting to see some improvement in other areas. Yeah. It's still a tight labor market, 10.9 million job openings. There's a little, still a lot of room for improvement. So if someone wants a job, they can still come easily find a job. Well, let's pivot a little bit and talk about the Federal Reserve. So, I, I mean, this job jobs report, that indicates a really healthy, strong economy. That gives the Fed a little bit more leeway to raise interest rates, doesn't it? Yeah. So if you look at the number of jobs added plus the increase in hourly earnings or wages, you know, what you're seeing is you're seeing the groundwork laid for the Fed to hike rates when they meet in mid-March. There's a almost 100% chance that the Federal Reserve raises rates by at least a quarter of a point. And I say at least a quarter of a point, Steve, because there is about a 30% chance that the Fed might hike rates by half a point. And that, 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 would, that would be a big hike, I think. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC. We're talking with Andy Stout, Chief Investment Officer of Allworth Financial, along with Brian James. Um, let, let's talk a little bit more about the Fed then, Andy. So if they raise interest rates by half a percent, what, what does that mean? What, what would it do to the market? What does that mean for future rate increases? Well, right now, if you look at what the market is pricing in, and we can look at different uh, investment securities to figure that out. But right now, the market is pricing in about five quarter point rate hikes this year. That's that's honestly, that's unimaginable if you think back to two months ago when really just about two hikes were priced in. And now there's been a big shift by the Federal Reserve saying we got five hikes. Now, those are five quarter point hikes. So to answer your question, if they did a half point hike, what that would mean, they're potentially be priced in three more quarter point hikes or 0.75% as far as uh, the three more hikes were to go if they're on the quarter point. But right now, when we look at what the Fed might do, obviously it depends on how inflation uh, progresses throughout the year. It depends on how supply chains uh, hopefully improve throughout the year because that might ease some inflationary pressures. But at the same time, we have oil at its highest level since 2014. All of this is you know, pushing the Fed to be more aggressive than we, pretty much everybody was thinking just a few months ago. Andy, the, the, so so far this year, it's been a little bit bumpy in the market. I think we were down, S&P 500 was down a little over 9% at the worst point. Most recently, it's down about 5%, I think is right now, just year to date. Do you think that is the market anticipating what we're talking about? Is that, you know, are we anticipating higher interest rates or is there more to it than that? Well, I mean, that's certainly a big factor of it. So when you think about what causes the market to move, it comes down to what's changed relative to expectations. And heading into the year, five rate hikes by the Fed was not priced into the market at all. So that's had a negative effect on the market as a whole because when you have higher interest rates, one reason is it makes those future earnings less attractive just from time value of money stuff, which we don't need to get into the weeds on that. Uh, but so higher interest rates can have a negative impact on US equities. So we've seen, speaking of U.S. equities and the market being down, we've seen some big names get absolutely hammered. Uh, Facebook or Meta, whatever they're going by these days, has just gotten crushed recently. Is that, uh, are there, is there more going on there or is that all tied to, to what we're talking about? Yeah, I guess Facebook or Meta, 
they pretty much fell on their face when you look at their earnings and pretty much missed on every single metric. But it's not all that, right? Uh, Amazon, which reported also last week, they beat on pretty much every metric. And and uh, as we all know, probably by now, they're looking to raise their prices on Amazon Prime. So and investors love that. I mean, you might not love it because the, what we're paying for uh, on a monthly basis will go up. But if you own some Amazon stock, it certainly helped the bottom line there. Now, when we look at the big picture on earnings, you know, it's been a, a bit of a mixed bag, Brian. Now, what we've seen is about 75% of large cap companies like Facebook and Amazon, 75% have reported better than expected earnings. So in other words, they beat what uh, Wall Street analysts were thinking. Now, while that seems like really, really good news on the surface, the thing is, over the past six quarters, Brian, we've been averaging 84% of those large cap companies beating earnings. So now we went from 84% beating earnings to 75%. So that's not necessarily very good, obviously. But what we are still seeing uh, some good news overall is that the year over year earnings growth has been strong. Heading into earnings season, Wall Street was forecasting earnings growth of 19.8%. Right now, we're at about 29%. So that's a decent spread. That's a big jump. That's a huge jump. Yeah. So that's that, more good news. So, so Andy, and I want to talk a little bit about prices at the pump and, and oil. I, I mean, obviously, gas has been increasing in, in price and, and oil uh, rose to about 92 bucks a barrel last week. It, that's the first time it's been above 90 since 2014. I, I mean, this is a, a very, very rapid increase in oil prices. Do you think we're done? Are we going to see $100 a barrel oil? It's possible. I, I can't say, you know, we're done at all. I mean, if you just look at the picture, the big picture, we have still the reopening of areas in Europe. We because they seem to go through shutdowns and reopenings, but they seem to be getting more comfortable as a whole uh, with the coronavirus in general. And I think they're going to be moving away from these uh, strict lockdowns that we have. So that's going to cause some increased demand. When we look at the tensions in Ukraine and Russia and yeah. lots of oil coming from Russia to Europe. And there's some, you know, possibility that that could be cut off. And then you look at the regulatory environment here in the United States. Uh, it's not very um, pro-business friendly when it comes to oil. Uh, the Biden administration has made no secret. I'm not making a political statement here, but they've made no secret that they, pre they want to reduce our, our fossil fuel emissions. And that creates an environment where oil companies are not incentivized to open new wells or, or do some more drilling or start new projects because they don't know what the long-term effect is going to be if they might make some money for a little bit but then if oil gets back to lower levels then all of a sudden they've lost millions of dollars so they're hesitant there so could it get higher yeah wouldn't be surprised at all uh, a lot of it also depends on what opec is doing uh, opec uh, has or their daily output is about four hundred thousand dollars for a thousand barrels excuse me per day and a lot of uh investors were thinking they might raise that last week what the cartel decided to do was to keep it at four hundred thousand. so they're not increasing supply at all so we're not seeing increased supply from opec we're seeing possible reduced supply from russia which is a huge oil producer and we're not seeing much of an incentive for u.s oil producers to do anything so on the supply side it's a little bit tight when, when we look at it from that perspective Good points, as always, from Andy Stout, Chief Investment Officer, Allworth Financial. Here, here's a Simply Money point. U.S. stocks posted their best week of the year. 
That occurred just two weeks after the worst week since March of 2020. This is why it's critical to take the long view and not let emotions dictate your investment allocation. Can't listen to Simply Money every night? Subscribe to our weekly podcast, The Best of Simply Money, on the iHeart app or wherever you find your podcast. Straight ahead, coming comparing a trip to the Super Bowl with the price of college tuition plus how to beat changing prices at your favorite store. That's ahead in three minutes. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Steve Sprovac along with Brian James. Straight ahead at 643, the three financial moves that could hurt your retirement fund. We're going to help fix that for you. Brian, it's just crazy. I, I, I mean, it's fantastic. The Bengals are going to the Super Bowl, but the latest dollar amounts are absolutely—they're they're insane. I, I, I mean, it's the numbers I'm looking at are are crazy for what it costs to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and, I, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. But lots of us did this, you know, just kicking around the idea. I've been waiting for this my entire life. So just for giggles, in the aftermath of the championship game win, let's jump on StubHub and see what's going on. So the cheapest ticket uh, at that time, they're down a little bit. They're still ridiculous. But I remember right after the game, they're around 6000 They've dropped to to a more a more reasonable 4900 Steve. So, <laughs> and I'm know. thinking I'm willing to shell a couple hundred bucks tops, you know, not even <laughs> yeah, in the ball. But still, you know, being our Midwestern sensibilities, you're still yeah. thinking, well, this is out there but you know you only live once so sure exactly. i'll throw 200 bucks at a super Bowl yeah ticket. yeah that's not happening and don't forget you got to get out there somehow so the cheapest non-stop flight out there if you want to leave friday and return monday that's 16 a little over 1600 dollars. you're going to need about another 600 bucks for a hotel for three nights and then uh car rental right now you can get for about 140 dollars so all yeah. in, you're looking at about $15,000 for two people, assuming you've got a friend <laughs> who wants to put up with you being nuts uh, yelling hoot at the stadium. Uh, all right. So you, you've got a – your daughter is almost in college. Okay. Uh, we're, starting to we, think we are in the grinder with this. I got one in yeah. and one on the way in. So. so 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 if she came to you and said, but, Dad, please, can I go? Can I? Can I? W- would you say sure? Go to college? Yes, you absolutely college. Yes, <laughs> you sure can. I'm going to the Super Bowl. You can go to college. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you, you know, and there are some packages out there. If you want the VIP package, you could spend double, triple that. I mean, that's that's a craziness. I but I'll tell you what. I, I went out to visit my my son and his family. We we have two birthdays going on out in Arizona, uh, and um, it, it's just getting a, an Uber from from the uh, from the airplane. Um, the guy says, "I love that Joe Burrow. This is this is in Phoenix." I love that Joe Burrow. I hope the Bengals win. I'm at Costco and and somebody's wearing a Bengals hat. And same thing, you know. Oh, who day Bengals? You know, in Arizona. I, I mean, this is catching on. This is this is awesome. It's fun. Yeah, my, my own wife, who, who she's not the biggest sports fan, but she I've even caught her saying who day as she holds the door <laughs> open for people at the grocery store and restaurants. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, well, uh, let, if, if she's saying who day, then it is really catching fire. <laughs> well, let, let's talk a little bit about, you know, how to cash in on on this Bengal mania. And there's a guy named Mattress Mac. This is this is a guy. His name is Jim Ackingvale. Uh, he owns a chain of, of mattress stores down in Houston. He just made a record breaking Super Bowl bet. Tell, tell, tell me tell me what he did. Sure. So Mattress Max surfaces every time there's a there's some kind of big game with a lot of momentum to it. So he placed a four and a half million dollar bet on the Bengals 
to upset the Rams in the Super Bowl. Straight so up. This is the Straight yeah, up. he did it from his cell phone too. So yeah. this is the large not the largest bet in history, but it is definitely the largest mobile bet. He actually to to make it work, he had to make over twenty uh two hundred thousand dollar bets because that's just the maximum you can do over his <laughs> He just cell wanted phone. to do it on his phone. <laughs> exactly. You know, so I can just picture him. I'm sitting there, you know, after the game, uh, flipping through StubHub, looking at tickets, and he's throwing two hundred thousand dollars out every every ten seconds here. So, well, what he's doing here though is he 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 ties these to sales of mattresses. So he'll he'll throw a bet out there. If so and so wins, then everybody gets. If you buy a mattress now and so and so wins, then you get a free mattress. I'll refund all your money. So he's uh, by far not going to make money on the mattresses over and above what he'll lose on the bet. So he's definitely gambling. But this is still a little bit of arbitrage. He's really on both sides of it by tying mattress sales to the bet. Exactly, exactly. I hope it works out for him, but uh, he lost $13 million betting on the Astros, uh, a whole bunch of money betting on Alabama. I, I, I hope this isn't a trend when he bets on the Bengals. Hey, if you buy the same items at the grocery store week after week, like pretty much everybody, uh, pretty much everybody does, you might notice that some prices are changing, and and they're changing multiple times per week, and sometimes even more often than that. Brian, we're we're starting to hear about dynamic pricing, which has been in, in existence forever in the airline industry. It's starting to hit the grocery stores now. Exactly. So, so what we're thinking about here, if you've, if you've ever, you know, we all do this, right? I'm planning a trip, kind of thinking about, am I going to drive? Am I going to fly or whatever? And I'll go ahead and pull some uh, off the website. I'll get some, some uh, airfares and then I'll think about that a little bit. And then I'll go back the next day and say, yeah, I want to pull the trigger on that. And then I go back to the, with my same computer and pull up the same route. And I noticed that it's gone up a few hundred dollars. Well, what's up yeah. with that? That's certainly And only two seats left. They always get you on that. It yeah. always works that way, doesn't it? But yeah. no, what, so what's happening there is the, the pricing systems know that someone on that computer because of cookies or from that IP address uh, somebody looked yesterday and is still thinking about it. Therefore, let's hike the price because that will probably prompt them to go ahead and swipe their credit card to avoid further price hikes. That's been around for a while, but we're now starting to see similar things going on at the grocery store. They, they can't quite identify that you are the same person standing there in front of the shelves, but they do know that uh, on Tuesday, uh, vanilla wafers sell a little bit more uh, than, than they do other times. So therefore, we're going to go ahead and hike the prices a little more frequently than we used to. Just another way, I mean, this is, this is the American way. It's capitalism. It's another way to squeeze a little bit more profit margin out of things. So something to be to, to pay attention to as much you can do about it in the grocery store. Not a heck of a lot, uh, but it's definitely something to not be surprised by. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, and we're talking about diamond, dynamic pricing hitting the grocery store. So what, what can you do about it, Brian? I, I, I mean, you know, can you can you are there certain websites that will help you pick when to buy stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. For, for, for stuff that you're buying off of websites, there are plenty of things. If you're an Amazon shopper, then you really need to know about a site called Camel, Camel, Camel. Uh, and you just spell it out. It sounds silly, just like lots of things on the Internet. Spell it out exactly as I said it. And you can get an idea for uh, what the historic price of a certain item uh, has been on Amazon. And so you can figure out, am I buying at a good time or am I buying at a bad time? There's another site called Slick Deals. I have been a huge fan of Slick Deals, I don't know, 15, 20 years 
Uh, it is just a, it's an online forum where uh, people will post deals that they find at Home Depot or Lowe's or Walmart or where have you, or, or Amazon anywhere, and people can comment on them. Uh, and so it's a, it's a great way to, to look for things that you need. It is also a black hole for things that you don't need. I've gotten sucked into that a lot of times, you know, I didn't, I won't buy something unless I see it on slick deals, but, uh, lots of opportunities out there to, to, to figure out how to save a little bit of money and uh, retail me not is another good one in terms of uh, paying attention to coupon deals. Here's a simply money point. The dynamic pricing strategy companies use is it's nothing to worry about. If you're well-informed, the tools are out there to help empower you. Coming up, how to protect your credit accounts against identity theft. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Steve Sprovac along with Amy Wagner. There's a question we've been getting more often recently from clients, and it's got to do with how you can protect yourself from identity theft. Joining us tonight with his advice on uh, with his investors he works with is Andy Schaefer, a financial advisor with us here at Allworth. Andy, this is something, and I, I just had a situation come up last week. It, it, it's not going away, and it seems to be becoming more prevalent. Identity theft, hacking, scams, mainly with elderly investors. You're seeing it too, I assume. See it all the time. Um, it's very concerning. Uh, I've had a number of investors that have gone through it. Um, it's tough to unwind when your identity does get stolen. Uh, I think there's a number of pros and cons to consider different types of uh, agencies to work with, um, and I have my own thoughts on it. I think the most important thing for most investors to understand is that I think you can take advantage of your own situation by just being diligent on your own, mm-hmm. um, but obviously some different identity theft protection agencies can help as well. Well, give me some examples. What what kind of scams are you seeing that relatively intelligent people are, are falling for? Well, I think for me, the, the 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 thing that was the catalyst for me having an understanding of this was back in 2017 when Experian was hacked, and yeah. and everybody got those notices, and I got one that said, "Hey, you might be one of those people, right?" Personally, so, you yeah, got yeah 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 because yeah, I remember I think it was they, they sent you a letter and said you're okay, or they sent you a letter and said, "Ah, eh, maybe you're you're not okay, maybe you were a part yeah. of that breach." And I went and froze my credit on the three major credit agencies, right. and just to take precaution in that in that arena now. Um, I'm also the type of person that takes a look at all of my investment accounts and bank accounts every morning. Mm-hmm. So I think the most important thing for people to be diligent is to make sure you take ownership of your own assets and to make sure that you're looking at your your um, individual portfolios to make sure that nothing fishy is going on. And for me, um, I don't have protection on any of my identity. And the reason is, is that I had such a hard time unwinding those frozen credit reports yeah. um, that to me, as long as I take the proper steps and be diligent about type of sites that I click on or um, using secure emails when I'm using specific documents that might have account numbers or social security Mm -hmm. IDs and Mm -hmm. things like that. I feel like I have a good handle on it on myself as opposed to paying an identity theft uh, protection agency to monitor it for me. Well, let's talk about uh, investors you work with. Though, are, are are you seeing are you seeing the pace pick up? Are people getting hacked and calling you up uh, more often these days than than a couple of years ago? Uh, they're not calling. They're not calling me up from a perspective of the types of securities that we manage for them, but from outside sources where okay. their identity can be can be stolen. Yeah. Um. And I I think a lot of it comes down to internet usage and and the sites that they may have clicked on right you know right. and when i'm on social media for instance it's it's not my cousins that are in their 20s that are getting um tricked by some of these scams right it's usually right. my elderly relatives that are clicking on things that 
might be a little bit fishy, but they just don't have the experience as my younger relatives yeah. do, right? And so they say, hey, my identity's been stolen or my, um, you know, my profile's been taken or whatever it is. And, you know, even in our own company, Steve, we have, you know, our technology department reaches out to us and tries to trick us all the time yeah. to get us to click on things to test us, right? Yeah. And we have a, a fish identif- identification alert button. And so I think I do see more of it. I have clients that are coming to me asking about identity theft protection agencies and whether that's going to be good for them or not. Well, let's get into that. Let's just say, okay, you fell for some sort of hack. I'm from Microsoft. I'm here to help. I understand you're having problems. Well, yeah, how did you know? I mean, that's one of the common ones. Uh, yeah, uh, let me have access to your computer and, and I'll fix it for you. Ooh, major mistake. So let's say you, you've unfortunately you've gone down that road and some bad actor out there has access to your computer and who knows what he's doing with it. What's your next step? Well, there's two different steps. Let's say, for instance, you have identity theft protection, whether it's LifeLock or right. or, or any Experian or any one of those agencies. The benefit there is that they continually monitor a lot of your data. Yeah. So they can let you know if your social security number has been used. They can let you know if any of your information is on the dark web, which is a way that um, basically thieves can take, can take and trade your information. Right. Um, they they know if any you know, credit reports come up for you, if loans are taken out in your name. So there's a big benefit there. And if you have them on your side, they can help you unwind this a lot better. So let's say your identity theft is stolen and you have um, you know an agency behind you. You can contact them immediately or they probably let you know. Yeah. And then they can walk you through it as a ha- as opposed to you having to go through that process yourself if you don't have it. So that's one of the benefits. Right. Hey, and I've chosen to. I, I found that um, LifeLock, in, in my view, is kind of an insurance policy. So they will pay up to, I think it's a million dollars if you sign up with them to fix an ID theft issue. But I also have a constant monitoring service I get through my uh, credit union. And sure enough, I opened up a credit card a couple months ago, and it's like, uh, you have an alert, please open please check it immediately and the alert was i opened up a credit card right you know if somebody else had opened it up i would be i wasn't me you know so i, I think it's good to have both constant monitoring monitoring and, and some sort of uh some sort of insurance um these aren't cheap i, I mean these cost a little bit of money um yeah i mean you're you looking at anywhere between you know probably 10 and 50 dollars between different types of services that you can get and make sure if you do go and look at some of these and compare them, make sure you read the fine print because some some of them offer additional services that the others don't. If you're only paying yeah. ten dollars a month, you're probably just getting you know basic service. But if you have the fifty dollar a month service, you're you're getting a lot more than that. And you know, I read a study the other day. Um, you know, I primarily just use a credit card when I sure. I pay everything with a credit card because if you pay for with a credit card and somebody ident- um, steals your identity you are going to get that money back pretty quickly. If it's a debit card, you'll eventually get it back. And I read a study the other day that suggested that people that get their identity th- uh, identity stolen, only about 13% of those people are actually end up being out money. Okay. And I think the benefit of having the identity protection services is your peace of mind in reducing your stress, number one, but also saving you a ton of time trying to go back and unwind it. You know, I had one yeah. of my clients that, that's a doctor and he got his identity stolen, and it took him the better part of six months to get that account. Oh, I can't imagine. So I think when you have those services, it's not necessarily about protecting your assets as much as it is 
trying to unwind all that in the time yeah. that it takes to do it. Yeah, and 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 you tried to go the free route through freezing, and and that was not something you were comfortable it's cumbersome. with. Yeah, so maybe you get what you pay for. We're right. talking we're, we're talking about what to do if your identity is stolen with Andy Schaefer of Allworth Financial. You've been listening to Simply Money on fifty five KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Steve Sprovac, along with Brian James. Attention Prime members, you're going to be paying more pretty soon. What you need to know to get the most out of your Amazon Prime membership. Hey, it might seem smart in the moment, but uh, way too often we've seen people who thought they were making smart money moves actually hurt their retirement in the long run. Brian, it's, I mean, you've done this a long time. I've done it even longer. We see this time after time. And, and one of the things that, that people make a mistake of doing is just thinking they've got to start playing it safe when they go into retirement. I I'm, I go back to, you know, early 80s when people were saying, um, hey, uh, now that I'm going to retire, uh, let's just play it safe. I want to just live off the interest. Well, that doesn't work these days. Right. And I think of, and so I started in this industry in the late nineties. And I remember one of the very first uh, sort of maxims I heard was your age in bonds, meaning whatever your age is, take yeah. that percentage and put it in bonds. And that would have sunk show, so many ships over the past 20 years with interest rates being where they are. But I'm thinking back to a time, this is the late nineties when, when, uh, when bonds were yielding or uh, you could get a money market fund that would pay you 6% just for sitting on your rear end and doing nothing. Money market fund, FDIC insured a full 6%. You could build up bond ladder if you tied it up over some time and you could get eight or nine percent income yeah. now remember yeah. what was happening in the 90s though nobody wanted that because we were all making money hand over fist don't waste my time with an eight or nine percent guaranteed income stream i'm making 25 percent <laughs> a year in these internet stocks that's all i need exactly yeah so it can hey, be but- one of the, one of the one of the risks is getting too conservative, though. You know, we don't. If, if you if you followed that adage now, you'd be locking your money in at one, two percent, maybe on in super conservative bonds. So that's that well, can be a real risk for people. And, and I don't think you you're saying or anybody's saying you, you have to be a hundred percent stock because obviously that's not the way to go either. But you know, there's a happy middle ground. Uh, there, there's no question about it. One of one of the concerns I've got right now with people that want to play it real conservative, it's not just the yield. Um, like you said, maybe one or two percent on on the bonds in in their portfolio. But when you have rising interest rates, you can actually see the value, the principal on bonds go down a little bit. Yeah, and then that's that's a very much a factor. And this is this is uh, you know the 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 thing to remember is that bond prices move in the opposite direction of interest it's rates. Like a rates go up, bonds yeah. go down. That's one of the more mechanical, one of the few more mechanical things you can relatively rely on in the stock market. So uh, when, when what's happening there is simply a, a reaction by the market to say, okay, if interest rates are going up, then I want new bonds that are going to be issued. I don't want these old bonds that are have, that have already existed on the stock market. Law and supply and demand says that those prices got to go down. So uh, that's the the why we always want to make sure that, you know, if we're going to see this kind of fluctuation, let's just make sure that we don't have our money that we're going to need in the short run exposed to to any of it. So I always come back to emergency fund. Let's just make sure or, 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 you know, bills you've got coming due. If you've got a college tuition bill coming due, got to replace the roof, or you're going to pay off your mortgage with a pile of money, get that out of bonds and or stocks. If that's a short term need, it shouldn't be there in the first place. That will free you up from the concern that if anything get, takes a beating in the short run, then I can't accomplish the goals I wanted to this year. So let's just make sure we're not exposed to it in the first place. 
Well, let's put some numbers to this. I mean, if you want to save a million dollars, just as a hypothetical example, and you want to do it over 30 years, if you put it all in the stock market and average 10%, I, I mean, we're just talking totally hypothetically here, but it would be less than $500 a month that you'd have to put away to, to have a million dollars at 10%. Over 30 years, just plug it in your calculator. If instead you put all your money in bonds at 6%, which I think is a really high rate of return and not real realistic, but just crunching the numbers, more than double. You'd have to put over a, a thousand bucks away every month for 30 years to have the same million. So I, I think, you know, there there's a great example. You don't want to go too far in one direction or the other. Sit down with an investment advisor, figure out what your risk tolerance is, and just just realize that the safer you play it, over time, the lower rate of return you're you're likely to get. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC. I'm Steve Sprovac talking with Brian James about some of the mistakes that you can make as you go into retirement. And, and, and this one lately has really um, uh, become very, very um, talk. It's been, become talked about an awful lot, trying to time the market. It, it doesn't work, Brian. Tell, tell me why. Yeah. Uh, so trying to time the market, you're with this is simply letting your gut tell you that this is not a good time to be exposed. I'll wait until a better time. So what what happens here, and this is something everybody goes through, right? Every, everybody tries this at some point in their life and gets their head handed to them. But what happens is you look at the market, you look at your investment statements, and you'll say, this is a scary time. It's clearly going to get scarier. I'm going to get out and I'm going to protect my assets and go to cash. Well, your brain, your gut will not let you go back in until it quote unquote feels better. It's not going to feel better until it comes back up and you see higher dollar amounts and you assume that uh, the water is clear, everybody back in the pool. And that is never how it works. What happens then is, an, is, a, is can be an endless cycle of getting out when it's scary, when it's low, and then getting back in when it's high. These are the kind of people who, if that happens to you once, you'll, you'll, you'll want to uh, stay out permanently because you'll think the market is against you. No, you're just betting the wrong way. Look at what the long-term history of the market is. It goes up, not down. And then just make sure that the dollars you've invested, you don't need in the short run anyway. Yeah, and, and it, I, I hear from so many people, let's get out and get back in when the dust settles. And I don't know if we're through this mini correction or not, but would you have guessed two Thursdays ago was the low point and, and gone right back in? I, I, I don't know anybody that, that would have done that. And if you did, maybe we see another dip. Maybe this is just a dead cat bounce. Yeah, you know. So um, if the big money doesn't do it, why do people think that with the information they're getting um, that they're able to do it? I, that, that's the biggest problem I, I've got with that thought process. All right, um, a lot of kids uh, going to college, and I think there's there's a lot of discussion about putting your kids' college education before your own retirement plans. Why is that a mistake? Well, because we're all parents and we love our kids and obviously we, we want to get them supported as much as we possibly can. So a lot of us will focus on, I've got to get my kids through school. That has to happen. Everything else comes secondary because everything has come secondary through the entire period yeah. of, of raising those kids. So it feels natural to say, well, I come second, just like I always do. I always eat the burnt toast. You get the good toast. Uh, but uh, what happens is people will, will want to fund their kids' college uh, college uh, tuition to the, to the expense of their own retirement. Well, your kids are going to have far more options to borrow money and, uh, and, yeah. and uh, pay it off over time than you will to retire. You're not going to be able to get a loan. And remember, you can help them 
pay off loans way down the road. There's nothing wrong with setting them up with some expectations. And if you find yourself in a stronger financial position during retirement, you can help them pay off the loans at that time. Be open-minded about that. Here's a Simply Money point. Ups and downs happen to everyone, even experienced investors. The key to financial success, it's focusing on the long term. It seems like the price of everything is going up these days. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Steve Sprovac along with Brian James. Just when you thought the cost of everything couldn't get any higher, Amazon announces they're hiking prices on membership again. Brian, I, I, I go back to the very beginning and, and thinking about, hmm, are we going to order enough off of this online service so that the, sh- the free shipping covers this? I, I, at the time, it was this ridiculously high, I think it was 39 bucks a year. Um, it's not 39 bucks a year anymore. They just raised their price again. Yeah, and I remember back in the day, it was it was wow! I can get two day shipping. That is amazing. <laughs> How quick and convenient. Now I get mad if it doesn't show up on my porch within an hour of placing the order. But uh, yeah, and so so Amazon's been an interesting story to follow. It started off with just free shipping, and then it's become uh, now you get uh, packages through video. You get a, a, a subset of Amazon Music. Uh, if you don't know that, uh, you know that that's another thing to take advantage of if you're a Spotify person or whatever. But uh, yeah, these prices are going up. So in 2018. Uh, it went to $119 from 99 and then before that, it, it's, it, was, it was 79 then it went to 99 and so on. So this is a big chunk of money here, and we're, it's getting to the point when you're lumping it, because now we're, we're treating it like the Netflixes and all the other things that we have, and you got to decide whether it's worth it to you or not. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going up to 139 bucks from 119 So, you know, now it's, it's starting to be real money. And, and, and the issue I've got is they've sucked everybody in. They've, they provide one heck of a service. The pandemic um, showed the value of having stuff delivered to your house. And I, I think their business uh, went, went it skyrocketed over the past two years. So, you know, what, what do you do now other than, well, I guess I got to pay more. I, I mean, that's, that's where everybody is at. It, it's, it, they've done such a good job that you feel like you don't have any options. Yeah. And, and I think it's always good to know exactly what you're paying for. Right. We always talk yeah. about free shipping because that's where it started. But but you, you, you get you get photo storage. You're getting uh, you, you can get some access to free audiobooks and magazines and, and regular ebooks as well. There's other things out there that you can take advantage of, uh, but just know what you're paying for. And then one other thing I always like to recommend to people is look for bundled packages. Right. Cell phone companies are offering uh, uh, memberships to these types of, of places and streaming services as part of the package. I have not heard that any of the bundled bundled pricing is going up. I could be wrong about that, but I know so wait, mine's wait not. Wait a second. So, so you, you can go ahead and, and with your cell phone service, get Amazon membership, Amazon. Some Prime of membership. them you can. I know, for example, okay. I know T-Mobile always does Netflix. I have a something through what used to be Sprint that does Amazon Prime. But my point is, if you have a service like that, they have not come back and said, OK, your bundled package is now going up. Your cell phone bill is going up by a couple bucks because of the underlying pricing. They get sort of institutionally based pricing. They're not paying retail. So that can be a good way to sneak around these price hikes. Well, you know, and and, and this is when, when they start getting up into this price range, I start thinking about do I don't watch Amazon Prime Video all that much? Do I really need that? But I, I keep coming back to, yeah, but we do order, and this gives us free shipping, and that was the big issue back in the day. Was yeah, we're getting some good deals online, but you've got to pay an extra twenty bucks to ship, and if you're only ordering ten ten dollars worth of stuff, it just doesn't work. You've been listening to Simply Money on fifty five KRC, the talk station. 